0: I'm Eric Peterson, and you're listening to Pod Clubhouse. Pod Clubhouse. Imagine all the pee holes. (laughs) It's easy if you try. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and then it could go on. I'll I'll, I'll record a full version and send it to you guys.
1: himself, your dedicated after show podcast for the AMC series, Kevin Can Fuck himself. This is Mike. Tonight you may be expecting our finale coverage episode, but you'd be wrong. If you've read the name of this episode on your podcast player or on podclubhouse.com, wherever you're listening to it, you'll know that this is not our coverage of the finale episode. This is our interview with Eric Peterson. Uh, We were so excited to have Eric come back. We we spoke to him at the end of season one of the series. Uh, We actually spoke to him weeks ago, but because we wanted to talk about the series finale, we've been sitting on this interview now for about a month. So we are so excited to bring you our interview with Eric Peterson. We get into Kevin and his and the journey to that crazy finale episode. Now, listen, if you haven't watched the series finale yet, please don't listen to this interview yet. Go watch the finale, then come back and listen to it because we talk about things that happen in the series finale. And when this is being released, AMC Plus viewers have seen the series finale. AMC viewers have not yet seen the finale. So... Don't be spoiled ahead of time, resist listening to this great interview with Eric Peterson until you have seen the series finale, and then you can come back and listen to it, alright? With that spoiler warning out of the way, without further ado, here is our interview with Kevin McRoberts himself, Eric Peterson. Hope you enjoy. Joining us tonight on Kevin Can Podcast himself, we are pleased to welcome back that wild dude himself, Eric Peterson. Eric, thank you so much for joining us once again. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm happy to talk with you guys again
1: somehow it has been over a year since we last spoke so let's catch up a little bit um, talk to us a little bit about fan reactions interactions you had just the way that you were received or Kevin received and the show was received following the end of season one obviously it was a very buzzy show you know there was a lot of a lot of articles being written
0: about it and people were talking about it and you know lots of cool blog posts and and you guys are doing you know such a great job with you know breaking down each episode so I I felt like definitely like industry wise, it felt like. Uh, it was a, a very buzzy kind of show. But what was really cool was to see sort of the, the regular people of the world be like, hey, I saw your show. It's so great. It's so smart. And, you know, now I will say in regards to reactions to Kevin, it was very mixed, you know, and nobody would say to my face like, oh, my God, you're a disgusting <laughs> piece of shit. But, <laughs> but, but I mean, they definitely wrote it all over the Internet. But uh, you know, it's funny. I, I've really thought about this because I've had a Good amount of people be like, I think Kevin's pretty great. I don't know what's wrong with him, and and I, I'm like, okay, I I can't tell if you're saying that to me because I'm standing here face to face with you, and maybe you're my friend or something, but like, there definitely was a. There was both sides to the coin, which is interesting, and we'll see how people feel, you know, once season two is over, once they get to really see what, uh, you know, the truth of Kevin is like, if they still feel the same way. But on the whole, the reaction was that the show was super smart. It was a great premise, that it was, you know, suspenseful, and people loved that. They liked the comedy sort of dropped into little parts of the show so yeah people seem to be uh, very happy and excited about it
2: well talk to us a little bit about how it was different coming back for season two i mean you knew some things about the fact that this was going to be the last season and you'd be wrapping this up and how is it different than when you approached this first season where this was like a brand new concept for you guys
0: well i mean i think and we may have even talked about this idea last time we talked i'm, I'm not sure but you know one of the Sort of hallmarks of a classic sitcom character is that they don't change, right? Is that like that's why we like sitcoms because we know how Norm is going to respond when he gets his beer, and he may have a different line each week on Cheers, but like we know what it's going to be, and we're wanting to see that. So that's like the whole idea of sitcom characters is that they don't really have much emotional growth; they <laughs> they kind of stay, you know, where they are. So the first season, I really that was sort of a point that I made to like not show any kind of growth and then in this season because obviously going into it we were made aware that it was the end of the show and you know speaking with valerie and craig and kind of seeing like where it was going i was able to like hopefully you know sort of put in little cracks and like in by episode five six seven you really are starting to see kevin kind of like notice that the world is changing around him um and then in the finale Obviously, it's the real sort of come to Jesus moment. But yeah, the the approach was definitely different this second season, knowing that the story was going to be concluding.
1: People who are watching the show, even as early as episode one, the end of episode one, I think can tell in the multicam that the shift, uh, the tone shifted or is shifting the, the idea that Allison gets the joke now instead of being the butt of the joke. And Kevin is maybe increasingly being the butt of the joke and that the interactions with Neil and Pete are becoming more antagonistic did that require you to play those scenes differently did you have to start playing Kevin differently because of that shift in tone I think that it took some of the joy out of some of the scenes you know one of the big
0: things that I was always trying to infuse into Kevin was this sense of like happiness and joy Only knowing that the contrast of what the truth was and what was revealed in the single cam would make it that much more jarring. So it was, you know, it was really important to me that Kevin is like really happy-go-lucky and really sort of filled with, at least joy in his mind, you know? And so by the end of season two, when, you know, like dad is moved out and Neil is really like not responding. And, you know, there's the great scene where I'm sitting at a table and I'm just saying like, there's nobody here. I'm very uncomfortable with this, with nobody to like laugh at my jokes. And I think that's like a, a really like honest moment for Kevin where we really get to see his sort of mental uh, awareness that things are really changing. So I think the way that I changed in regards to like playing him, I wanted to show that that veneer was starting to crack, not completely fall away, but was definitely starting to crack.
1: A lot of swashbucka swashbuckler, uh, swashbuckler. you know just yes. saying it so it sounds cool in the kitchen by yes. well yes. and
2: you had the addition of the big morning beard that you were you were sporting there how was that
0: yeah. that was awesome uh, i gotta say i loved the beard uh, i definitely sent a picture of myself in the beard to my agent and and they were like oh you gotta grow that out that's a great look <laughs> and i was like oh okay um no I, I it was really fun you know i've never had a beard that big in my actual life so you know I've always sort of dreamed of being one of those mountain men that had a big beard like that so I really enjoyed wearing it and it definitely changed Kevin you know like it it, even just the not that it's heavy it's you know made of hair but like just the feeling of it was so different you know that last scene where he has the beard or the last episode when he has the beard and you know Aaron Hayes is there everything was so vastly different and I felt like what I was trying to do was to show that like Kevin is really grasping for straws to like reassemble his life from how it's been slowly cracking away from him and he's like forcing you know round pegs into square holes and and everything is 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 slipping away from him but yeah the beard the beard was great i loved i loved having it
2: <laughs> i'm glad you brought up aaron hayes because we know that viewers are going to get a complete kick out of seeing her with you tell us a little bit about working with her
0: uh it was great you know it's funny when the like press release came out that i was cast as kevin and obviously Aaron had already like I think Vulture wrote an article about like AMC you better cast Aaron Hayes in this show or you're cowards or something like that so she was aware of the show and that it was sort of you know in response to what happened to her on you know Kevin Can Wait so she was aware of the show I got announced that I was going to be playing Kevin and that week that that all happened I was actually doing a workshop of a new musical with her and so that was going to be done um, at the Pasadena Playhouse and so we were actually working together when that all sort of came to light and uh so we were she was very excited about the show and then once uh they told me that they were going to bring her in for the finale I was like oh that's brilliant I I love that (laughs) and so it was great to like see her again and I was like yeah this is crazy like now it's full circle and I definitely did ask her I was like what is this like, you know, what is, what does this feel like for you being like on a multicam set that's somehow inspired by your real life? And, and she was like, it's odd. It's very, it's a very full circle kind of odd moment, but it's very cool. And I mean, I loved Like the actual logistics of working with her was great because she is a a multicam pro. Like she knew how to like the set bump set volley of of the rhythm of multicam. She was so ready and jumped right in. So filming those scenes was was really great. Yeah, it was awesome.
1: I, it was the ultimate meta moment seeing her <laughs> oh, yeah. especially since she, she had been announced before season 2 began and so people were kind of waiting there were a bunch of guest stars you have Rachel Dratch came on during the season yeah. and Perry Gilpin but like Erin Hayes because of what she represents and, and the show <laughs> right. in particular it was like when is she coming and then yeah. what a great reveal for, uh, yeah. for the Molly character well, let's talk about the, the finale episode which this is coming out after people have seen it what do you think when you read the script for episode 8 and that you enter the long awaited entry into the single (laughs) cam for Kevin. What's your reaction?
0: I gotta say, I mean, obviously, I was so stoked. If I was in charge and making decisions, I probably would have shown Kevin a little earlier in the single cam, but I do think by waiting until the very end, it does sort of just build that drama of like you know the idea that you know violence is always worse in our minds than it is if we actually see it right so the sort of off stage drama of like what is kevin really like the the fact that it built all the way up to the you know finale of the show really i i hope gave it the weight that it needed but getting to shoot it was great i was so excited to like really show that darker side of kevin i love the way that Valerie wrote the ending that it really kind of, it's not, it's not a hundred percent that he's dead. but I think we can assume, but I, I just sort of love the not putting a stamp on it in a way because I think maybe Kevin doesn't deserve to have a stamp on the end of his life, you know, and if it was indeed the end of his life. So I was super excited about doing that scene and, and getting to do a, a much more dramatic scene with Annie and, you know, shooting obviously in a, a dark, a darker room with no audience. And all of that was, was great. And there, I mean, there's even stuff that we did that didn't make the cut. I mean, there was like a whole thing where like kind of right as she Is pulling me into the single cam. We did a thing where I like wiped the whole table that's behind the couch and like all of the knickknacks and matchbooks and, you know, our stuff just goes flying against the wall kind of near her. I think they cut it because it, it was, it was pretty intense. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was very, very intense. And I think waiting to sort of, let the pressure build and he really, really is getting in her face. Hopefully we'll make an audience feel scared and have a lot of realizations about what they've thought about Kevin. Um, some people will be, uh, I think, confirmed. And some, some people may be like, whoa, this is not the Kevin we know and love. So, uh, so we'll see.
1: I want to play you a clip from from that scene uh, between you and Annie or between Kevin and Allison. I want, I want to talk a little bit about it. Let's, uh, let's, let's sure. take a listen real quick.
0: Kevin, where is everyone?
1: Everyone who?
0: Pete,
2: Neil, Molly.
0: What do you know? What did you say to Molly?
2: Just the truth. But Pete knew, and Neil, that you're a goddamn cancer.
0: No, 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 no. No, this does not happen to me. Not from my wife. (laughs) No! Allison. Without me, you'll have nothing. Because I will fucking destroy you.
2: Do your worst.
1: That's a holy shit moment, I think, for anyone. But I mean, you know what I think it is? I think it's hearing you curse because one thing we've played with talking about the podcast on the podcast this season is we've been playing the game of in the multicam, imagining what that sounds like if Kevin said it in the single cam. Right. Because with the, the Diane and Chuck storyline, we're, we're going with this idea that Chuck is Kevin in the single cam world, but yeah, like future older, Kevin. Yeah. yeah, he's like future <laughs> yeah. Kevin. And so you could see some of the menace via that way. Here, you actually get to see it. Like the, the audience is finally kind of stripped bare to see it. How do you approach that scene, given up until now, you've spent seven and, you know, 15 and a half episodes of just. Crap falls and physical right. comedy and your pants falling down like what's <laughs> yeah. how, what's that day when you're going to shoot that like how do you do you do it the same or is it just it's just another day just different lines
0: because i have a background in doing uh, a lot of theater whenever i talk to especially like kids you know college kids or whatever they're like what's the difference between theater acting and and tv acting and i'm always uh, my sort of stock answer is that it's all the same acting. It's just a matter of levers, right? And there's little, you know, if you imagine a a producer's board in like a studio, it's just different levers. Like, is this moment bigger or is this louder or is this facial expression, you know, huge or small? And obviously the multicam is much more akin to theater acting because of of how broad it is and physical it is. And so on the day of shooting that, that big final scene, you know, it was really just about keeping that same truth and it helps you know to be in the same location that we've been shooting all of those multicam scenes and i'm still in the the wardrobe that i've been wearing and so it all feels like kevin and it's just about sort of turning down that dial massively i think the the script and the the way the scene was written was so was so good that it was pretty easy to like kind of drop a lot of the extra kevin stuff and just be like you know, he's he is truly seeing his world collapse in front of him in that moment. And so it really, you know, he may have had clues before, but this is really where he's like, oh, shit, this is fucking over. Like, <laughs> this is really over. And my hijinks and my pleading and my, oh, babe, can't you forgive me? Like, all that is gone. It's over. It's not going to work. And he knows that in regards to like how I acted, it I think it was really just a, a Trusting the script, trusting that the way it was shot would feel drastically different. And I mean, I, I'm i very proud of it. I thought it was a really great scene. And when I watched it. Myself, you know, I was like, "Wow, I, I'm moved by this.
2: <laughs>
0: good, good job to me. I think it did a good job, you know, um, and obviously to Annie as well, you know. But she's in the single cam much more often, So But yeah, I was, I was very proud of it.
2: So, as an actor, which did you find more challenging, like those elaborate physical bits, like the buffalo wings all in your eyes and stuff? Which I think Mike said he laughed for like an hour. Oh, wait, the when, you, when you wings. say
1: my eyes are sweaty, I swear to God. <laughs> I think I launched coffee across my living room. Uh, <laughs> did
0: you, did you catch one of my favorite bits from that little moment is when I wipe my face with tinfoil. Yes.
1: Yes yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes, yes.
0: That's just that really, game. really dumb Kevin behavior. It, there it's such, um, a ba- it's such
1: a ballet because it ends with you and Alex on your knees, kind of like yeah. genuflecting in like the reporter. And he's got like the little teapot in his the hand. Teacup, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a great moment. It's, it's like two minutes of just, you know, straight up classic vaudeville bits. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll say in uh, Caroline in regards to like what was more difficult, uh, the the final scene is probably more difficult for me just because the physical comedy stuff comes pretty naturally <laughs> to me, so that that's sort of right in my wheelhouse. As we shot multiple takes of the final scene, uh, not every time, but there was times where you know Anna or Val would be like, All right, "I think we can go smaller. I think we can be." smaller smaller and i was like all right cool i just don't I, like thinking because of playing kevin with such a big bravado and and just size wise it was just so big and broad it was trying to match the reality of what single camera is without totally losing kevin but also it has to feel like it is the same guy it can't be a, a totally different character so yeah I, i'd say the easier one was the the Pratt falling and slapstick stuff but uh, both were very fun to do
1: Let's take uh, listeners behind TV magic a little bit. How much fire did they let you play with? Or was that just all kind of CGI, like a special effects afterwards?
0: It was almost all real fire. Yeah, I think they maybe added a tiny bit, but uh, most of it was really me lighting it on fire. And I would drop like the passport lit on fire into the thing. And then they had, I think, a little like inside the bottom of the trash can was a little sort of gas fire contraption that would add to it but i mean it was definitely real fire and one of the big things was with that beard it was very important for me not to get too quite too close to the to the fire because that beard would have gone up in a second um,
2: <laughs> it's like but a, like a spirit the, the yeah, mean, for, real,
0: for real so you know but i i loved that last little scene of you know kevin sort of Burning down the joint and uh, unintentionally as he's trying to burn down Allison, but and then
2: passing um, out. I mean, that's the and then passing out. Yeah, Yeah. oh, just (laughs) totally.
0: Yeah, you almost wonder like if he did die, did he die because like of smoke inhalation? Did he die? Did he literally burn to death? Did he like wake up and try to get out?
2: You're scary. You're like, did I his mean, flesh burn? I need to know. Did his flesh
0: burn? I mean, I, I think a lot of people would prefer if it did. So,
2: but yeah. you know, I think, but I you know think what? I love like how you said that they left it a little ambiguous there because I think for women especially, but anyone, you know, any partner that has felt abused like Allison does, the idea that he could still be out there, you know, it's totally. sort of that sleeping with the enemy. Like you, you got in a but like somehow the towel is fixed in the bathroom in a way you didn't right. do kind of thing. Like he could still be out there because there's no confirmation for us that he's really gone and also as audience i think it nods to us and says hey p.s real kevin's are out there and like still are out there
0: a hundred percent that's that's exactly how i saw it as well the ambiguousness of it lets us know that like not only for allison that she will constantly have that fear but what you said of just that kevin's are out there everywhere and on television and in real life so uh yeah i i I loved how it ended i thought it was very cool
2: so when all is said and done what do you hope people take away from kevin and kevin can fuck himself and will it change what you audition for or how you look at characters in the future
0: that's a great question you know it's I, I'm actually curious as to how it will affect... I'll answer what I hope people just take away in a second. But in regards to like what I'll audition for in the future, because I have a, a relatively large history doing multicam comedy and big, broad comedy, and it is something, as I said, that I love to do, I do wonder if... Being a part of this show, which was really with a a hot edge knife poking at those types of shows, if there will be any sort of like resentment that like, oh, no, you can't now do one of these shows like you can't you can't then be in one of them. You know, I do I do think there have been some things that my, you know, managers and, and agents have sent me that I'm like, this is pretty like right on the nose of Kevin. I don't think we can do this same sort of, you know, bastardly character it's like uh, kelvin yeah ex- exactly kelvin mcclaurin's um, that's right, that's right. Exactly. Um, but in regards to like what i hope people take away i hope that you know it definitely will start conversations uh, honest conversations about our collective nostalgia for television, right? Like I love, I, I, I'm i sure I've talked with you guys about this. Like I love television and I love sitcoms. And it's, I think one of the reasons that I really loved this show and it's not that I would hope that people never watch another sitcom, but that we can just be more enlightened in our viewing habits, you know, as audiences become more progressive and more aware of, you know, societal things that are happening and, and how they're then represented in characters on television and how each of those two things I feel really feed each other. You know, you can say that television is a reflection of, you know, society, but society is definitely influenced by television. So it's sort of that, you know, snake eating its own tail kind of idea. And I hope that people will take away that it was a show with a great. Idea, great premise, and it hopefully will make people think about you know what they're watching. And as uh, you know, one of my favorite lines in the whole show is from I think episode four of the first season when Annie says, uh, or as Allison says, like, "What were you laughing at? Like, you just sat there and laughed at him, and did you ever really think about it?" I think that's the thesis of the show. So I hope that yeah, people will view it as as this interesting weird little show that um, broke some barriers and maybe set up a new storytelling device that other shows will use in the future and that we can sort of view our collective television uh, experience with more enlightenment and and empathy and compassion.
2: Well, given that, I think we would be remiss if we didn't ask you what you thought about the ending with Allison and Patty, given that we want, you know, our audiences to be rethinking these shows. What did Eric think? And what do you think Kevin would think?
0: (laughs) I mean, I liked how they ended it. I, I thought that, you know, Annie and Mary Hollis had such great chemistry as people and as friends. And they really poured that into their characters. And I think that's why people have loved Pattison, which I believe is what people are calling them as a a group. Um, You know, I think that that's why, People rooted for them, and and their you know their off screen sort of friendship really informed it. And I kind of like that they're heading off into a new world with you know new options, and as much as they can, sort of have wiped the slate clean of this chapter of their lives. But I think it's mostly a credit to Annie and Mary Hollis for you know just how brilliant they were portraying these characters and portraying the arc of these characters and how they were dealing with multiple crises at the same time. And so, yeah, I, I think the ending is uh, is great.
2: I think it's a huge credit to Valerie that we sat for probably 10 minutes in our last podcast trying to put some sort of label or descriptor on what Patterson was as a relationship. Yeah. Like, what exactly are they? And we we're like, you know what? I don't I we were just like, I invite listeners to tell us what do you think exactly? Because yeah. I think this is a new kind of like we can support each other and encourage each other and we don't necessarily have the right label for that exactly which seems weird it feels that way we couldn't do it
0: (laughs) yeah I mean I think that there was definitely in the scripts there was there was definitely references in, you know, off stage uh, action or you know, the subtext of scenes that there was romantic feelings between, and maybe not coming both directions, but at least from Patty to Allison. I think that. The fact that it never is, like, fully articulated on what that is. And some people watch the show and are like, man, what a great story about two female friends who just really are there for each other. And some people see it as a story as, like, like not quite fulfilled, you know, romantic relationship. I kind of like that that is... Unclear, And that the audience is like left to feel however they feel about watching the way that those two people interact. Because I feel like, you know, we're definitely in a time of label uh, enlightenment, the younger generation really does not like labels of like, asexual or bisexual or homosexual or whatever. Like they really want to feel like I'm just a person existing in the world and I love people and that can, you know, articulate itself in many different ways. But to have to put like a classic label is not what, you know, the sort of younger generation of Americans really want. And so I think that that was definitely a nod to sort of where that generation is at. And, and I think that, you know, the whole idea of the show is to sort of enlighten people to the truth of, of what we're seeing on TV and make it more modern and relatable.
1: I love that. I love that. We came up with the Schitt's Creek uh, explanation of the wine bottles and labels and yes, and focusing yes. more on what's on the bottle than what's on That's the label. That's exactly you know? it. Exactly. A little bit more lighthearted question than, than we've had. Uh, <laughs> Eagle Eye viewers are going to see in the finale that with the six month time jump, life has added three more points in the Kevin versus <laughs> life board, bringing the total to six. Yes. Uh, and we were curious if you had any guesses, you, Eric, had any guesses about what the three new life wins were.
0: Oh, man, I have not thought about that. But uh, I would say definitely, I think getting Molly as my new girlfriend, he's going to count as a win, Uh, you know, and sort of being able to not miss a beat in his life uh, as much as he can, (laughs) you know, just sort of like, okay, wife dead, new wife. And keep going, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that's definitely one of the wins. I'd like to think that there was something to do with, you know, actually meeting, you know, Bill Belichick, or or somehow we like Aww. ran into Brady on the on the the tee or something, and like, you know, was able to like get. Brady to sign his butt cheek or something and you know I so I'd like to think at least one of them had to do with the Patriots in some way and then uh, you know he's a big fan of of fire uh, you know one of my favorite really lines really? is how he says something like uh, you know uh, yeah I caused that fire and two other big ones but that's not what we're talking about right now <laughs> yeah. so I'd, I'd like to think that maybe it's you know somebody else got blamed for one of those fires and he knew he was off the hook for, for one of his many uh, arsons that he's committed
2: well and we definitely noticed all the fidgeting with the lighter like throughout with um yeah. you know Patty and Allison and like it seems like it was like there's a a lot more leaning into the fireplace into this people along the way Loving all that.
0: They they loved that little fidget spinner lighter. And and the fact that the end of the show is obviously fire is a, a major factor. <laughs> I think that was really apropos. But I will say this, and, and this is only because I, I recently went on a family trip to Yellowstone, uh, which I loved. It was spectacular if you've never gone up to Yellowstone Park. But one of the things they were talking about in Yellowstone was how, you know, fire is really a big part of the a forest's life. And like, so when there are fires that are caused by lightning or whatever, the park system really kind of lets those fires burn. As long as they're not going to hurt humans or destroy like classic structures, they really let those fires burn because the fire, it it just is the sign of rebirth. You know, they talked about in at Yellowstone, these uh, particular trees that have pine cones that only are activated by extreme heat and when these trees are burning these pine cones shoot out little seeds and they kind of like and they shoot around <laughs> and like then popcorn. they yeah and then they plant a new forest you know so that in mind that whole idea of like fire not necessarily being a sign of death but more a sign of rebirth i think is is really sort of uh, a nice metaphor for the season or or scene in the in the season because as opposed to thinking of the fire at the end of the show as the death of something i think it's more the rebirth of
2: oh, you know it. all the those characters <laughs> right. i love yeah. it well before you go since this is probably the last time we get to talk to you about this one i definitely want to know if you have any memories or anything from on the set that you want to share with our listeners just kind of parting feelings about the whole thing
0: You know, thank you. Uh, And I I do have to say this. You guys have done such a great job of breaking down this show and and what it means and what each moment means and what all these characters represent. And I've listened to most of your episodes and I think they're just so great. And you guys have such like honest reactions, but also like are enlightened and and intelligent. And I just, I think you've done such a bang up job with this uh, whole podcast. So congrats to you guys. You're very sweet on
2: that. But I have to tell you, you don't know how many times because because we've gotten to talk to you Eric that I have to not, not say things like man I just want to punch Kevin in the face because I'm like but I don't want to punch Eric so I have to pull back on that it's like yes. it's a very it's very good to get to know you as a human being because it definitely uh, oof Kevin
1: we've used yes. your promo you know America uh, Peterson you're listening to Pod Clubhouse we've used it but you know in front of a couple of episodes yeah and every time I hear it I'm like oh yes Eric is not Kevin Eric, <laughs> He's like, very win. different voices very we different like yes
0: we, (laughs) Yes, yes. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Thank you. Um, uh, But my main takeaway from the show, you know, in regards to like memories or what I enjoyed about it. Number one, I'm going to say I loved. Boston. I had never, I had been to Boston a few times, but really getting over the two seasons to truly live in Boston. And in the first season, I my family was with me, and we lived in Situate, Massachusetts, which is a little uh, place on the South Shore, right by the uh, water. And then the second season, me and Alex and Ray all rented a house in Mashfield, which is also on the South Shore, uh, right on the beach. And so I really got to, like, spend legitimate time in New England, and I have just completely fallen in love with the place. And I, you know, I've said to my wife, if we had to move somewhere that wasn't, you know, for family or for work or something, I would move to New England. I just, I loved, loved, loved being there. So that's number one is I loved the uh, environment. Uh, And then number two would be that I loved the cast and the crew and, and working with them and becoming friends with them. It's definitely, I think a lot of lifetime friendships were formed in the making of this show. And partially because of COVID and us having to wait and then going. And then, you know, we were all sort of locked in together. And then also like being really proud of the show and proud of what the show is doing and really sort of brought us all closer you know one of my favorite memories was all of us uh, sledding (laughs) we went to uh, there's like a golf course in situate and all the cast came out to where I was staying and we like went sledding with my kids and like all of us and like it was just like a beautiful fun like wholesome (laughs) wholesome experience (laughs) you know with everybody and then the last thing I'll say is just that I'm as I said I'm really proud of the show and I'm really proud of what the show had to say and how bold it was in its sort of taking a swing at a new storytelling device or or the you know sort of way of telling uh these types of stories and being someone who is such a huge multicam fan being a part of something that is lets me do sort of the multicam shtick that I enjoy doing and I hope hope I'm pretty good at, but also being a part of a show that actually said something and was important and wasn't just necessarily like filler TV. It was like something that had a real point of view uh, made me really proud as an actor and, and as an artist to be a part of that. So those are probably the three big things. I loved the place, the people, and what, what the show had to say.
1: I think you've said it perfectly. <laughs> I, we're just about out of time, but before we let you go, are there any new projects for you on the horizon that people should be on the lookout for? Sure. I got three
0: things I'll promote. Okay. Number one, I'll promote it's my, I have a fashion Instagram. Uh, most people will probably not assume that, uh, the guy that plays big dumb Kevin is into fashion, but I love clothes and fashion. And so, uh, you can follow my fashion Instagram, which is at the portly Gentleman, all one word, (laughs) the portly Gentleman. We
1: follow it. Yep. Yes.
0: Thank you. Um, so I'll, I'll promote that. Uh, number two, I have a show called high desert that's going to be coming out, um, on Apple tv we shot the whole season it's directed by jay roach uh, stars um uh patricia arquette and a bunch of other people but she's the star of it um and produced by ben stiller we shot the whole first season i actually sh- shot it at the exact same time that i was shooting kevin so i was kind of flying back and forth between la and boston when we were shooting the season but um that's going to be coming out i think in the maybe the beginning of next year and i have a very fun role on that show um i'm in almost all the episodes there so check out high desert when that comes out and then the last thing i'll promote is as a fellow podcaster is i have i have a christmas podcast that really has sort of uh, materialized into like a real thing uh sort of surprisingly i'm a a massive christmas fan um and so a buddy of mine here in la we found out that we were both huge christmas fans and last Christmas season, we started doing this show called Christmas Countdown Show, where we would do top 10 lists of Christmas songs and foods and movies and TV specials. And and we really did it with the thought that only our parents and our wives would listen and we're now the number one christmas podcast on spotify and on apple and we've been downloaded in like 175 countries and we it's like really exploding so <laughs> our season two of the christmas countdown show will uh be coming out starting october 17th and running through christmas so uh, definitely check that out
2: that's super fun. It's like you and you and Oprah, like for the for the must know things of the season. That's right. I love yeah, that. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we have to know, Eric, what are you watching right now on TV? And what do you think Kevin would be watching if he lived?
0: <laughs> uh, I think Kevin would be watching uh, a lot of CBS uh, sitcoms. You know, I think that's in his wheelhouse or he'd be watching old reruns of, you know, All in the family or. Blue Bloods, or I think he actually talks about. I got to fire up my Blue Bloods DVD. Yeah. You know, it seems, it seems like his type of show. Uh, what I'm right now, I'm watching. Uh, I'm, I have like two episodes left of left of uh, Only Murders in the Building, which I'm just
2: Ooh, such a good one, loving, absolutely
0: yes. loving. So good. Um, I recently finished Vikings, uh, you know, the the History Channel show. I like, uh, you know, I didn't watch it when it first came out. And I I am Scandinavian, you know, in my heritage. So I like knew that I wanted to watch it. And I was like, I, I should watch it at some point. And then I started it and just loved vikings so I, I recently finished vikings i'm on a bit of a vikings kick very excited for yellowstone to come back i'm a big okay. fan of that show uh but yeah i mean there's so much good tv on right now we're we're really living in uh sort of an embarrassment of riches in regards to storytelling and and the amount of shows that we can watch and everything can become so much more niche because it just has the ability to do so and that's the almost the best way to get an audience is to really just as storytellers and showrunners there's so many people that are just making like really niche interesting shows and not worrying about like oh is this going to get you know a 7.2 on the you know <laughs> the scales of of getting you know the numbers and it's really just about telling interesting compelling stories so um yeah that's the, those are the main things that i've been watching recently
1: we run one of the big yellowstone podcasts we'll have to have you on the season yes. Yes.
2: oh so my guest, god
0: you- i would love that <laughs> <laughs> i would love amazing. that so much <laughs> Give yes
2: some, some rip impressions yeah, we'll definitely, <laughs> oh yeah
1: we'll, we'll, we'll slide into your dms and you. <laughs> oh mom. my god. Yeah. We're, yes, we're actually starting up we're we're starting to gear up actually for that new season now. So Oh
0: my gosh, I'm so excited. I just am so excited.
1: Besides the poorly gentlemen, where can else people find you on social media is if if they want to keep up with all of the the eric peterson news out there (laughs) um my
0: instagram is at eric pete my twitter is eric peterson 44 and that those would be the the two best places to sort of follow me
1: eric thank you so much for coming on i I actually i had a thought while we were talking here and i wasn't sure if i was going to ask you and you don't have to be on the spot for it now (laughs) i know i'm I'm really I'm (laughs) i'm winding this up now i'm so excited when you have some downtime. Uh-huh. I would be stoked if you could record a couple of bars of imagine all the pee holes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give, I'll give it to questions. you right now. Oh, I'll give it to it. you right Please. now. That was
0: s- such a funny joke to me. It's so stupid and so juvenile, but I re- I remember like saying that to Alex like in our you know, off-campus house as we called it. You know, the dad pad. I'd be like, imagine all the pee holes.
1: <laughs> it's just so perfectly
0: stupid. Oh. Um, but yeah, I, I should do it one more time with a, with the Kevin accent. So he would go, uh, imagine all the pee holes. It's
1: easy if you try. <laughs> Love it.
0: Uh, yeah, and then it could go, it. go on. That's I'll awesome. I'll record a full version and send Please. it to you guys. I
1: was making spaghetti for my son in the kitchen last week, and he was like what the hell are you singing? <laughs> I was like, it's going to make sense to you in, in you know, when you watch the episode. Oh my God, that's
2: so funny. That's yes.
1: great. Eric, thank you so much. And uh, we can't have, wait to have you on. Maybe we'll have you on for High Desert when that comes out. Uh, we'll that would be great. It. That'd Any be Any excuse to have you back on. We're looking forward to it.
0: Thank you guys. Appreciate everything you do and big fans of both of you. So thank
2: you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much, Eric. Thank
1: you. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Bye-bye. We
1: just want to give a big thanks to uh, Eric uh, for his time and for going so long with us and to the AMCPR folks for helping set up and schedule all these interviews that we've had this season. We've gotten to talk to Alex Bonifer, we talked to Eric, we've talked to Valerie Armstrong. We actually have another interview coming up before you get to our finale coverage with uh, director Anna DeCosa who ended up directing 12 of the 16 episodes of Kevin Can Fuck Himself. Uh, that will be the next episode you get in your feed if you are you're subscribed to Kevin can podcast himself which you should be Um, and then the series finale Caroline and I are hard at work on getting that ready for you that will be out probably a couple of days after the series finale drops on AMC on Monday October I guess it's October 10th. So, yeah, so keep a lookout for that, and we'll be back soon. And thank you for listening to Kevin Can Podcasts himself. If you wouldn't mind heading over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and rate, review, and subscribe. And while you're there, if you could, leave us a five-star review. If you do, we'll read it on the air, probably, uh, especially if you say nice things about us. And, uh, you know, it helps with the show. It helps with the visibility, and we really appreciate it. Uh, So thanks so much, uh, you guys, for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.